Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, and I'm talking with uh, Steve Krupa. He is on the road. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Hey, Tom. How are you? Good to talk to you. You too. You too. You're uh, stuck in some traffic, I understand. I am. I'm somewhere between someplace and downtown Boston. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really sure where. You'll get wherever you're going fairly soon, I'm sure. Uh, but this yeah. gives us a time to catch up, which is always nice. And we can talk about nice. uh, your latest podcast uh, with uh, Sally Pobletti from uh, Wealthy. Uh, this was a yeah. kind of an interesting company, digital healthy, but but more in the insurance space. Just give us a yeah. quick uh, quick rundown of what Wealthy's doing. Yeah, I think the idea is uh, to give um, you know employers and their employees the opportunity to um, to buy health insurance uh, through a digital means, but really uh, the business model is built around the broker. You know, there's been this um, belief that digital uh, exchanges were going to sort of disintermediate brokers, Uh, but the truth of the matter is is that when it comes to small businesses, that continues to be where they turn into the broker networks uh, to help them to solve their various insurance needs, including health insurance. So... Sally's idea was, hey, why don't I provide them with the tools to compete with digital exchanges? And she's doing that, and uh, she's having some pretty good success with it. Good. It's going to be interesting to see how is it going to be impacted by the changes at the federal level. Does she have any sense? Does anyone have any sense? You know, I think a lot of what small businesses deal with is just purely compliance with the metal programs that are in place for the exchanges. And I think where maybe these changes at the federal level might be headed is more dealing with the the way uh, those programs are funded and what benefits are actually included in them. So uh, those businesses, it seems like, will still be required to comply and they'll still be wanting to provide provide insurance for their employees. So she'll be able to make those adjustments, I think, because she's primarily acting as a source for insurance companies to connect with brokers who then connect to the small business. So I don't think she'll be that affected. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation with uh, Sally Pobletti from Wealthy. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Sally Poblente, the uh, CEO of Wealthy. How are you, Sally? Hi, Steve. Well, very well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to have a fellow New Yorker on the podcast. I have this little competition with my sort of uh, co- co-host, Tom Salemi. He's a Boston guy, and we we sort of uh, joust as to whether or not we can find cool companies in our relative cities. So I'm always happy to find a New York-based company f- to, to talk to. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. So um, we'll get into sort of your business in a second. I, I need to know more about you. Um, you and I have the good fortune of going to the same business school within a reasonable, within a reasonable vicinity of of time with one another, but um, when you came out of a business school with your um, with your background in healthcare management, um, you got into more or less the health insurance business. But what led you to decide you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I, I think that that 
my my entry into health insurance was actually with a startup. Uh, I start after business school went to a startup health insurance company in Connecticut and um, loved the uh, you know audacious goal of building an insurance company from the ground up. I uh, spent a couple of years there, and then after that, transitioned to then a very big insurance company uh, uh, in some Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, where I led uh, product development uh, in their group business uh, across uh, uh, all of the different states. And I'd say that uh, it, it, it always was my lifelong dream, Steve, to uh, start a company and, and be an entrepreneur. Right. Um, so the time came when the triple forces of uh, extreme regulatory disruption uh, back in, you know, uh, after 2010, uh, technological um, change, uh, as well as the, the ramping up of the needs of uh, consumers uh, having a much more simpler experience. Uh, and I thought that all of those uh, forces was the brought to brought me to the right time uh, to uh, pursue my dream and uh, start a company. Very cool. So after much uh, much de- much uh, thought and debate about leaving a very very uh, uh, you know a good and and uh, productive uh, career at Anthem, I uh, decided to to jump full force into entrepreneurship. So Sally, tell me a little bit about you know, the health insurance industry when you got into it and where it's evolved to today, obviously I'm sure that, that paid, that, that played a significant influence on, on your wanting to go and start a company that, that might be disrupting things in the industry. Where was health insurance back in, back in when you started with Anthem and, and what, and where do you think it's heading today? Yeah, actually back in, in about, about the year 2000 was when I got into health insurance. And at the time there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, startups, uh, uh, insurance companies, consumer-directed healthcare was the in vogue at the time, and mm-hmm. the company I was with was uh, starting a new new company uh, focused on building new insurance products. So I'd say that for you know the last 20 years, there's been uh, 15 years, I would say 15, 20 years, there's been uh, an ongoing quest for the insurance industry to uh, to innovate. But I think that. Um, Ultimately, uh, you know, towards the the customer and towards figuring out how to leverage um, technology, um, and it's still you know slow going um, as the this uh, gigantic industry is uh, obviously entrenched in in its ways. Um, and then when I was at Anthem, obviously in in uh, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, um, I was fortunate enough to have front row seats into figuring out. Um, what things needed to change for uh, the company in order to not only adapt to to the new law, but again, continue to transform. And, you know, after when the result of of those projects were were mountains and mountains of of binders of projects and needs and uh, things that insurance uh, companies needed to do, that was a clear signal that it was the right time for an entrepreneur to uh, basically figure out um, how to help accelerate innovation within the industry. And, and um, that's uh, exactly uh, what I did. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I was involved in a lot of that stuff too uh, back, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago mm-hmm. when we started to think about this notion of a consumer-directed health plan 
which I think eventually evolved into this notion of a high deductible health plan, right? We, we probably didn't want to call it that back then. But the argument was, you know, if we if we added, if we put a, a little bit more deductible in there and we financed it with some money that felt like it was the consumers, right, that maybe we would begin to create consumer-oriented behavior in healthcare. And it's been a very slow march to that today. Um, where do you think consumer behavior is today? I mean, obviously, we've got the ACA. We've got some people buying stuff on exchanges. We've got Medicare Advantage where that's sort of a consumer market. But is, the, is there a real consumer in healthcare insurance? Uh, ab- absolutely. And I think that uh, although your, your point about it being slow going, I think the actual tipping point for these high deductible health plans um, has has arrived um, and where, um, you know, 20 million people are, are buying these kinds of uh, plans means that uh, people are very attuned to uh, the deductible or or really being more sensitive to how they're shopping for um, insurance. And um, and still, I think, unfortunately, we still have a long way to go with, with enabling all of those um, effective experiences and tools to help um, businesses and consumers make the right choices. But But I do think the consumer is very, very sensitive and um, again, for, for us, the, the time is right um, to seize the opportunity to help uh, the industry, so insurance companies, brokers, and so forth, to deliver those um, holistic, transparent experiences for consumers yeah. and, and small businesses alike. Yeah, so let's get into it. Tell me about uh, Wealthy. When, when did you start the company? Yeah, I started the company in 2013, so um, I set a goal at, again, the, the, uh, at the beginning of the year that we wanted to uh, launch a company to support uh, this new wave of individuals uh, shopping for insurance and uh, started working uh, with uh, my, my network within the industry um, to figure out how exactly to get there. So in terms of, you know, starting uh, an idea of, I, I knew that uh, my goal was to help simplify the process of purchasing insurance. And, and that was the space I felt really passionate about and where I thought I could contribute the most. Um, but of course, as an entrepreneur, figuring out where to start with lots and lots of different ideas was, was uh, something to, uh, was a, you know, uh, an exercise in needing to refine um, the product market fit and uh, did so by really speaking with a lot of industry um, uh, people and consumers and small businesses to, to refine that that concept and uh, I'm very proud to have launched um, our first version of our, our product at the end of that year um, and have been growing ever since. Um, so, but just to, to recap, what we do is essentially uh, offer a marketplace uh, whereby small businesses and individuals can shop from an array of uh, insurance products. Uh, but to do so with the help of their insurance broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unlike other uh, uh, tech disruptors, I'll say, who are focused on the insurance industry and, and wanting to completely turn it upside down, our approach is to modernize uh, the distribution of insurance and work with uh, the very important uh, insurance broker who is a conduit and provides a very valuable expertise uh, we realize that uh, both the carrier and the broker are unfortunately lacking in a lot of the technology tools um, and wherewithal to, to right, modernize that experience. And so as a technology company, that's exactly the, the role that we fill for them. That's interesting. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of tech people would say 
that um, you should that the broker is an intermediary and that the value of technology is to disintermediate. Um, and you've essentially, it sounds like, decided to embrace the intermediary in, in your product. Is that a fair way to think about it? Yeah, that's exactly a fair way to think about it, uh, Steve. That's exactly what we're doing. And I think the corollary that I would um, I would share or apply in this case is, is uh, Zillow. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that Zillow has brought together buyers and sellers uh, into a holistic and modern marketplace uh, with a lot of really uh, very cool, very easy-to-use decision support tools, um, they actually took that real estate agent and said, okay, we think that because this transaction is still so very complicated and still so very expensive and important for the buyer and the seller that that the role of that expert um, conduit intermediary is essential. Um, and we want that person to to uh, really help uh, make that transaction uh, be the best, uh, most confident, smartest right, transaction for, for the buyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the same way, uh, our, our thesis is that uh, small businesses today, uh, 80% of them use an insurance broker. Uh, that insurance broker not only has the expertise, I think most importantly, they have a lot of empathy for um, what small businesses go through when purchasing benefits for their uh, employees. Um, and we uh, are putting together or have put together in, in a number of markets a holistic marketplace with uh, medical plans, student dental vision, and other lines of coverage uh, that carriers are excited to participate in, and now brokers are, are coming, coming uh, in droves. Interesting. So, so how, does, how, does the business, how does your business model work? Is it a, a site that you need to be working with a broker to access? Is that the way, is that the way you uh, work with the brokers? How, how, how does the business model take, take bold? Yeah, so at, at this, obviously, and, and that uh, will evolve over time, but our, our current model is a SaaS uh, model whereby uh, brokers and carriers can license our platform, uh, brand it to themselves. So it's essentially e-commerce in a box uh, for uh, brokerage. Uh, an insurance carrier as well can license our platform and distribute it or, or um, offer it to uh, their brokers or agents. Um, and then with that, that uh, particular uh, broker can, uh, you know, use their tablet or their laptop and start selling insurance uh, as opposed to using uh, lots and lots of paper, time, and Excel spreadsheets to, right. to put a quote and proposal together for, for their client. Um, so that is a SaaS, uh, so licensing fees. Um, and then um, we also uh, are able to take transaction fees for for uh, the, the membership that we drive to insurance companies. So is the consumer actually using your site or is the broker using your site? So how does it, how does it unfold then for the actual uh, individual uh, insured? Do they? Is the, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So essentially it's the, the user experience is um, much like, uh, again, the in the real estate setting where uh, a, it's a small business owner can browse uh, beforehand, uh, or the broker and the business owner are sitting side by side, sharing their screen um, on the phone, but uh, taking the, you know, sitting side by side, I can show you, uh, Steve, uh, your, your Steve's uh, bike, bicycle store, I can come to your location and basically show you everything in my laptop. And you can, you and I can uh, talk about your budget, your business, your employees, and I can um, uh, advise you uh, about uh, uh, best choices and and um, uh, maximizing and optimizing your budget and your needs in in uh, fifteen minutes or less. 
We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you that registration for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit is now open. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. We've sold out the last two times, so please do not wait. Go to healthag.com to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. Now let's get back into this conversation. So the the product doesn't ultimately get distributed to the you know so the individual member or employee do, do they also use the use the site so then once that once the broker sort of comes up with the products for the small business do the individual employees select their insurance or is it a group insurance package how does that how does that work Yeah so it depends there are uh, the another feature that we offer is um, that the business owner can choose to um, uh, encourage their employees to buy individual insurance. Uh, in that case, they, um, in that case, the individual employees then shop from our individual marketplace, uh, or we connect with the benefit administration or HR system that um, they have if they were picking uh, a group group plan. Okay. So, so as a result of that, you're getting a lot of information as to how people buy health insurance what the variables are that they consider and so on and so forth. Is that fair? You're getting collecting a lot of data on that. Yeah, exactly, Steve. And, and I think you're, 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 where you might be going with that question is, is that we do see a lot of, of uh, opportunity and power in that data since mm-hmm. that data currently is not, uh, does not exist in an aggregated basis um, since most of us, I said, the transactions are being done on paper and Excel spreadsheets. So by really understanding what businesses are looking for, what brokers are selling. Um, we're able to um, mine that uh, information to um, make our rules engine and algorithm smarter, uh, to make recommendations for businesses based on who they are, where they are, not their employees, their right, the, the type of employees that they have, and really, again, um, continue to uh, help them have a much better experience in, in picking the right insurance. Uh, with an eye towards what's happening in the rest of, of their competitive set of employers um, and um, the knowledge uh, within the insurance regulations and the insurance space about how to optimize uh, their dollars. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I I know when I talk to insurers and they talk about the public exchanges, for example, which is kind of a marketplace in and of itself, right? It really is a mm-hmm. marketplace. Um, they kind of say that the, um, the, 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 the driving factor that's far above the other sort of features, if you will, of a health insurance plan is price, that they see that price is really uh, one of the key, if not the key, one of the key variables in which consumers make decisions about what they buy on the public exchanges. Do you find that that's the case with uh, the broker uh, distribution network or is are there different components of the health insurance product that get emphasized more than price in that area? Yeah, so I, I have two two thoughts on that point. I think um, one in support of that idea, uh, and that is that affordability still is the primary driving factor for businesses to buy insurance, right? Because it is such a, an, a big aspect of their budget. And so affordability still is overall the driving factor. Um, however, I think that the there is so much opportunity and um uh, trend towards really looking at all of the other variables that make up a health plan, the the benefits, the uh, obviously the network and other opportunities to um, figure out the most uh, way to get value. 
um, beyond the price. I think the reason that price has been the easiest thing, to, the most common thing to compare is because it is the easiest thing to compare where we have data that we can lay side by side and right see which one is the uh, the least expensive to the most expensive from a premium standpoint. But I think that where we see our opportunities combining that with all of the um, other aspects of value to um, really match up the profile of the um, business and their employees with um, the um, components of a health plan uh, that are available. And I think where we can uh, really share our our expertise in the insurance industry and, and the data that we're starting to collect is in continuing to drive uh, those uh, decision support factors forward. Yeah, so maybe I can can uh, get you know steal some of your insights. Have you have you have you looked at things like, for example, um, the size of the deductible as it impacts preference, or the size or narrowness of the provider network as it in, impacts preference? Are there any variables? That when you look at your data, you know, give a, give a, give a sense of the appealing, uh, the other appealing features aside from price that, that, that uh, employers and consumers buy on? Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, the, there's the, the um, you know, idea that, um, you know, younger uh, millennials are really looking for um more of a catastrophic uh, type of coverage or coverage if, if they do go to the hospital. Um, and, and that's one way to look at it. Um, the, uh, obviously, the aspect of um, uh, network uh, is most uh, uh, the broadest of them, uh, most appropriate for um, employees uh, that may have higher health needs. Uh, or you know, kind of more advanced in age than than the younger millennials. Um, but then the other aspect that that I want to bring up is that there's uh, right the value added services, uh, the free wellness programs, the free Fitbits, and so forth are are really attractive too, and and don't often get uh, evaluated in the mix. But that we're seeing again a lot of more um, tech savvy and uh, uh, millennial generation are, are really attracted to those benefits. So being able to bundle vision benefits, for example, or including telemedicine as part of the program, um, uh, have a lot of, uh, of value to certain uh, types of populations that I think insurance companies um, are starting to consider more and more. Yeah, I mean, I, the, 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 what I'm learning as, as as someone who's not a millennial, although sometimes I wish I was. Cause, because I think they kind of think about the world way differently than me, and I'd like to kind of get get an understanding of that. Is that they buy much differently than than we're that the, the the traditional you know consumer preferences. And in fact, if you were in marketing and you looked out there, you'd say, "Wow, I've really got to segment that market significantly." I mean, someone in their fifties is going to have a completely different set of preferences than someone in their thirties, right? Yeah, Stephen. I think the the. Uh their expectation for simplicity, I mean, in, in many ways, really drives a big part of their decision-making process. I, you know, once uh, was dealing with this or talking to a customer, it was like, if I have to right, call the health plan and ask a lot of questions, uh, that, that's, that's a no-go for me because I, I just want to transact. Um, I, I do want the support of uh, an expert, uh, but I, I want to do it in my own terms. And I want to maybe chat or text, not not speak. Um, 
And, and so there's lots of uh, different ways that we want to think about offering really a holistic, simple experience, uh, a confident and smart experience, leveraging data and um, experts like brokers, but it isn't, doesn't have to be the traditional, the traditional sense of really the, a face-to-face contact or paper or a phone call. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said this a number of times. I think the millennials are going to transform healthcare, whether they want to or not, whether the healthcare wants to transform or not, just by virtue of the fact that their consumer expectations are set by, you know, Google and Apple and uh, Facebook and stuff where everything is right there. It's so easy to work with. It's all available to you. And then you get into this health insurance realm of purchasing insurance, of going to the doctor, and all of those processes do not align with the 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 everyday interactions that millennials are com- have come accustomed to. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty yeah. it's pretty staggering. And eventually, you know, once they once they start having families, that's when they'll become, you know, major consumers of healthcare. And and those health comp- care companies that are ready for them are probably in a position to steal some business. What do you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and particularly in the small business arena, thirty um, percent of all small business employees are millennials. I was uh, quite uh, shocked by that number, but uh, it, it is it is true. And uh, so again, you know, they're not all you know flocking to you know uh, giant companies. They're they're startups, or they're they're you know because they're going to smaller, uh, smaller, more more nimble uh, organizations. And I again, I think that um, uh, the industry needs to to pay attention to to their needs uh, even more so. And and in our case. Uh, helping educate insurance brokers um, that uh, that is the source of growth for them uh, as they you know sell insurance. So I would imagine some some reasonable percentage of your employees are millennials as well, right? A significant amount, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're building software after all. So uh, you know, okay. So as the CEO of a company that has a significant number of millennials working working there, you know, how are you creating a culture for them? How are you? thinking about their need, their work environment needs, and how they may be different to what you might have expected when you started a company? Yeah, so I think uh, ownership is a big part of it, and, and I don't just mean stock options. I, mm-hmm. I mean um, ownership in, in, in what, you know, their, their projects, what they're, uh, what they're leading in the company is a, is a, a very big deal. Um, I think um, autonomy and really being able to set a flexible schedule, uh, you know, uh, be remote, work remotely from wherever they may be, um, um, you know, work nights or mornings, depending on on kind of their Mm -hmm. their schedule. But I think a lot of um, autonomy and ownership. And then the the, I think the third thing that's that's really important is the sense of mission. Um, So we'll kind of just taking it all, uh, pulling it all together where we're. You know, we believe uh, very much so that insurance is a very important factor in a person's um, health care, you know, health and financial well-being. um, And that simplifying um, this very complicated uh, and stressful subject uh, for most people is uh, really a noble, um, you know, mission for the company. I think uh, it's really exciting to see that. Uh, so many of our team members and, and even people who are, are calling to, to, you know, look for jobs here are really um, impassioned by, by that mission. And, and do you have to have free beer on Fridays or is that optional? <laughs> so, 
yeah, I think we're, we kind of have a very uh, <laughs> flexible, um, you know, time off policy. And uh, if, you know, Fridays, there's certainly lots of, of fun uh, fun going on uh, here. But but I'll also say uh, on Monday, we're actually doing um, some team activities and, sure. and that. So, yeah, that could be a Monday, too. It doesn't have to be a Friday. Friday fun days, right? You know, Friday fun days. <laughs> So, you know, along those lines, when you started to, to when you when you started the company, did you start it by yourself, or did you have a team of people that, that that wanted to be with you to start the company? How did the company get sort of, you know, from from zero to step one? How did how did you get there? Yeah, so I think as the uh, insurance geek and um, uh, really visionary for the company, I I started the firm, but uh, very quickly attracted. Um, uh, team members to join a really, um, you know, brilliant uh, technologist, uh, a team member who was very focused on on data and analytics, um, and uh, started, uh, you know, building the team ver- very early on. Uh, got our first customer. Uh, I would say, you know, a few months after we lo- we started the company. Wow. So, uh, and I I would say the. the being a, maybe a, a more mature entrepreneur, it really helped. Uh, that I came from the industry and had a strong network of people to call on. Um, uh, that that is definitely very helpful. So having uh, having you know, worked in the industry and, and built a network that I've nurtured for for uh, for a decade uh, was was something that I, I really relied upon uh, uh, to to get that early traction that you know entrepreneurs are. are uh, right, the most important thing uh, for a young company. Yeah, and I and I see you've got the startup health guys in your deal. Did they were they there in the beginning? Did they come in a little bit bit later? Did they help you get the capital raised? How did, how did you put all the money together? Yeah, so uh, well, we bootstrapped uh, uh, early on, and then um, bootstrap you know, means you used your own money, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. The savings from from having you know been part of a. a uh, right, a large corporation. Yeah, all the big money um, at and, right? <laughs> and then, but we were very, very fortunate to have actually, uh, right, angel investors who were, again, former bosses, former colleagues, um, uh, participate early in the round, and, and Startup Health was definitely a very valuable um, partner uh, for us to have early on, as they did certainly help us through our seed round, and, and uh, now having closed, just recently closed our Series A, uh, really excited to uh, basically be in this next chapter of our of our growth. Big big deal that Series A, right? Very easy to get that money too. Everybody's just throwing it at you, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> always harder and it always takes longer than than even you know every, every entrepreneur. Says, Come on. Sally, whatever you think it's going to take, it's it's going to be longer. Tell me, Sally, <laughs> how long did it take you to raise a Series A? You can tell us. It's done. Oh, many many months. <laughs> um, many many months, but I think the the, the process has, has really started. Right, they they say after the the close of the last round, you're already starting and thinking about the process for the next round. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's certainly um, embracing it as uh, now really just a normal part of my job to be to be fundraising all the time. Uh, but but giving myself a couple of months break now that we just right. closed this one and really excited about building the team and. Uh, really growing our customer base uh, uh, to uh, all parts of, of the United States. Always be selling and always be fundraising, Sally, right? That's the, the CEO's That's job. That's right. That's right. Now, the, yeah, everything else exactly. is up to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I, you yes, like that? And I, 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 I do. I do. It, it, 
um, I think evangelizing the mission. And I think the other part, Steve, that I found is that um, insurance companies, I've found these days to be really embracing um, uh, innovation. And mm-hmm. um, I've, I've uh, just been getting a lot of support uh, from leaders at uh, very large payers. Um, in fact, several of our investors in this round are ex-CEOs of health plans. Um, so I think that the time is the time is now. The time is ripe. Um, as you know, the insure tech space is booming. Uh, there has just been so much um, investment uh, coming in uh, in the insure tech space, and I'm not just talking about health insurance in particular, but but broadly in insurance uh, and broadly within the small uh, business insurance space. So we're we're excited to be. Uh, a part of this ecosystem that is kind of at the intersection of insure tech and and health uh, digital health, um, and so I think there's both uh, investors and money flowing, but but also from a customer perspective, um, uh, the the big uh, insurance giants are are ready to innovate. Very good, very good. I, I think I think we should let people know it's W E L L T H I E wealthy, and um, you know, sort of as as a closing note, can you tell me? In the audience, uh, are you? Uh, are you? Do you have a Twitter account? Are you on Facebook? Or you have a blog, website? How do How do people find out more about you and your company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our website is wealthy.com, W-E-L-L-T-H-I-E. Our Twitter handle is uh, also that, um, and you can find us on Facebook with that uh, as well. Our blog is uh, is accessible through our website, and uh, look forward to uh, to to meeting meeting uh, the audience uh, if you guys reach out. Thank you. Terrific. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much, Steve. Well, that is a wrap. Sally Poblete, thank you for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast and for sharing Wealthy's story. Congratulations on finally starting your company. Steve Krupa, thank you for leading this conversation. Another great job. Finally, thank you, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, for joining us. It's always great to have you here. We'd like to have more of you, so do us a few favors, will you? Just uh, give us a ranking on iTunes to help more people find the podcast. Tell your innovation-minded friends about the Breaking Health Podcast. If they love digital health innovation, then they would love the podcast and let them know that. Finally, shoot me an email, tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled with the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Let me know who we should be talking to, what we should be talking about. Would love to uh, have your thoughts about the podcast or just uh, shoot me an email to say hello. Be happy to uh, find out more about what you do. And that's it. Remember, the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit is happening on November 30th. Registration is open. Go to healthogy.com, register to attend, and we will see you in Boston. <laughs>